1: support for the heel tough blog podcast comes from manscaped who is the best in men's below the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels Look guys, we've all been there, we've all been trimming, all of a sudden we clip something we don't want to clip. You don't want to do that. Make sure you take care of your downstairs area, just like the Tar Heels have to make sure they take care of Sam Howell. We don't want to have to put the backup in. And guess what? There's no backup for your balls. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. That's right, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and Come on guys, don't use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls. Let's just be honest, that is disgusting. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. So you don't have to use any of those powders or whatever. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Right now, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS. That's all one word, BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools. For the job, your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code bigheads at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code bigheads to get your manscaped product today.
0: Davis steps under center, Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High it up. Long it up. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal
1: by freshman Connor Bird. Good gosh This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Big Heads Media Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is signing day, Monday. Uh, I know that it's only the early signing period, but look, this has basically become National Signing Day uh, each year. It was last year, and uh, that's pretty much what they're billing it this year. They have the National Signing Day special uh, that's going to be on on Wednesday. And so we are here uh, on the Heel Tough Blog podcast to give you guys a look at what to expect for the Tar Heels on National Signing Day. We've got some big time storylines uh, that have kind of unfolded over the last week since we last did edition of the podcast and so Zach Hubbard is back to help us update everything that is going on and uh, well Zach it's been a little bit crazy here over the last couple of days on the recruiting trail a lot of things have changed since the last time we were on the podcast so uh, I'm assuming that you're pretty uh, excited to get on here tonight and kind of give your opinions on on what you think of some of the decisions that uh, these guys are making absolutely
0: there's been a lot going on in terms of you know all the stuff leading up until the early signing period beginning Wednesday so yeah a lot to discuss um, a lot, you know, good, a lot bad. So definitely a whole lot going on, a lot to pay attention to for Carolina
1: fans. Yeah, well, it started on Saturday with Trenton Simpson uh, committing to Clemson over Carolina. And uh, I, I'm going to be honest, this was one that kind of came out of nowhere and shocked me. Uh, I found it out actually while uh, in Keenan Stadium, uh, while covering the NCHSAA AA double-A state championship game, and it really just kind of snowballed as quickly as I think I've seen any recent commitment uh, in the past couple of years. Uh, Clemson offered him, and within about 45 minutes, he announced that he was committed. So, uh, it was probably the fastest-moving uh, recruitment that I've seen from a guy getting offered to a guy accepting the offer, especially with a guy that's as highly rated as he is, and of course the Tar Heels miss out on a guy that was pretty much a, a can't miss prospect in the state of North Carolina. Um, you know, there's been a little bit of back and forth on, on whether or not you know this is this is a big deal for Carolina or not. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's not a big deal, but I think you know maybe you would agree, Zach. This this isn't. The the end-all be-all for the Tar Heels. This isn't, oh, they missed out on this prospect and now this 2020 class is in a lot of trouble
0: i wouldn't say so i think the carolina already has a really good class a top 20 class for a program that is building for the future building to be on the rise um so and with that obviously based on the work that the staff already did um in the spring summer and fall they've really fulfilled a lot of their sort of needs at certain positions so obviously with a prospect like that um you know high four star five star even to some consensus five star prospect it's mm-hmm. one that you know everyone is going to want in their class there's not anyone that's going to say no we're not going to take your commitment so it would have been very much a nice prospect to have but it's not a situation in which carolina is lacking at any position of depth because they didn't get him or you know miss out on other guys they still
1: have a really really good class here so i think even with that miss you know there's a lot to still be excited about here yeah, I touched on it a little bit on the way back from the state championship games. I did a little video just to kind of update you guys because it was such a big news story. But I mean, especially with what we heard from Mac Brown today, I think people should be pretty confident with where the Tar Heel linebacking core stands because Mac pretty much said today that all of the juniors that are on the roster, he is expecting back next year, which means that if you know we're reading into it right, that means that Chaz Surratt has told him or at least told other coaches on the staff or people around the team that he is not going to go to the NFL draft. He's going to stick around and play out his senior year at Carolina, which is honestly probably the best thing to do for him considering that he only has one year at the position. Had a really good year and it makes sense why NFL teams would want to get him in and kind of mold a guy that's still that raw, but I think it's a good idea for him to stay behind and if he does, you got to think. The Tar Heels linebacking core will return just about everybody. The only guy they would lose is Dominique Ross. And there are some guys that we would expect to see in a bigger role next season that you know showed some pretty decent signs when they got a chance this year. Guys like Eugene Asante, a guy like Kadri Jackson, two guys that didn't play a whole lot, but when they were on the field, showed some, some flashes that had people encouraged. Matthew Flint is going to be back next year as well, of course, coming back from a leg injury that he suffered earlier early in the year that caused him to miss just about every game of the season uh, outside of the first two games so I think that it's one that you would like to have it was a guy that to me I feel like it was more disappointing because of the fact that Carolina was in the driver's seat for so long after Clemson after uh excuse me his Auburn decommit that it felt like you know If Clemson doesn't offer, it's a foregone conclusion. And we knew that when Clemson offered, he would at least entertain the idea. I think that we thought because... Of the fact that Mac Brown, the staff, as well as really let's let's be honest, most of the Tar Heel fan base had shown him that he was not only a guy that they could use, but was a guy that most people felt they needed in this class. And he said that he wanted to go to a place where he was going to be needed, not just another guy. Uh, we thought that at least there would be you know sort of a sprint to the finish, maybe you know two or three days. Uh, once he got offered on Saturday, I actually put out the tweet saying it should be a nice four-day battle between the Tigers and the Tar Heels, and within 45 minutes, he had committed to Clemson. So, um, yeah, it was just a very, very strange uh, situation. But um, I, I think that you know, when you look at this class, and I kind of want your opinion on this too, Zach, because there was a guy that I was, you know, kind of uh, going back and forth with on Twitter earlier today. He says that this is, uh, you know, sort of a similar situation to when we let guys like Dexter Lawrence uh, go out of. State, as well as a guy like Bryce Love, Th- this to me kind of has a different feeling as really just a guy that, I mean, if I, if we're going to be honest, there are some people that don't actually believe it, but I believe Trenton Simpson when he said that he's, you know, he's dreamed of going to Clemson for his entire career. It seems like that's kind of the case here and and dictatorial fans really shouldn't be all that concerned that another one of the top prospects is leaving the state because of the fact that they've got three of the top five guys in the state that are already committed to the class. Is that kind of how you feel as well?
0: I would say so. And I think specifically with Trent, it's a situation where there were sort of rumblings of Clemson always being in the background in this recruitment if they went out and offered. Um, you know, you've had some of those similar situations in the past where you've had elite prospects like the ones you mentioned, like the Dexter Lawrences or the Bryce Loves Leave the state. Um, really a few things with that. First off especially in this period of time with the run of success that clemson is having not only recruiting in this area but recruiting nationally Mm -hmm. it's really hard to go up against them in any recruiting battle they have the number one class right now they have five stars upon five stars four stars upon four stars in the class clemson is absolutely killing it not only on the field but on the recruiting trail so any time that you have to go up against them in a head-on-head battle, it's really going to be hard for any team, you know, outside of the Alabamas or Georgias. And even then, it's going to be a hard competition. You've already seen that with some prospects this year. right? right? Moving back to Carolina's class specifically, um, it, there's, a lot of pros- there's a lot of great prospects that they have on here that are, you know, For those that are, you know, that look at stars or look at numbers, I Mm -hmm. mean, you have four guys within the top 200. You have one guy that is almost a consensus five star that's gone in and out, you know, with Desmond Evans. Right. Not something that we've seen the past few years with Carolina classes of getting, you know, those guys that are near the top. So, yes, Trenton Simpson is a miss, but I don't think that it's the same to the same extent of those other guys just because there are so many other high four-star and almost five-star prospects that Caroline has gotten in this class. Add that alongside the news that they're going to retain pretty much all of their juniors unless anything unforeseen happens between now and, you know, the final day to declare for the draft, which I think is January 20th. But, you know, they're keeping most of their roster together. They have all these freshmen coming in if you're a Carolina fan, you have to be feeling pretty good right now, even with this news this past Saturday for Trent Simpson.
1: Right. One of the points that I brought up was I mean, you you go back and look at Dexter Lawrence's recruitment and Bryce Love's recruitment. Again, those were, for, for Clemson, that was when, you know, they were starting to become what Clemson is now. Uh, Carolina was not, I mean, th- this was before the 2015 season, so they were not seen a- as a place that was a destination to go if we're, if we're just being real honest. Even at that point, Clemson's national perception was a little bit better. Um, and, you know, I kind of feel like with Bryce Love, that was a guy that went to Stanford not only because Stanford gave him the opportunity of running back, but also because Stanford's one of the most prestigious universities in in all of the country. So, I mean, you know, it's hard to really be overly angry because the other thing is, is within those two classes as well, if you go back and look at the overall prospects in the state, I mean, Carolina in this class, not only three of the top five, seven of the top 15 players in the state are going to Carolina in this class. So they've made it a focus in state. And it, it, if you can't see that, I just really don't know what to tell you. They're doing everything they need to do. Um, and I mean, look, you know, yeah, missing out on Trenton Simpson, who's now considered the number one player in the state, is is big. And, you know, I've, I've talked about this for a while now. I've seen both him and Des Evans play in person. I think Simpson's a little bit better, but if we're being honest, the difference really is not that much. Desmond Evans is a legitimate prospect, and... I'll 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 ask you this question too. Do you think that Des Evans would be a part of two thousand uh, of Carolina's two thousand twenty class if Larry Fedora and his staff were still in place? Because I do not. I do not either. And there I, you go. I
0: think that he's been somewhat upfront about that. I think there's a lot of these guys that mm-hmm. would have been looking elsewhere just because you can look at. The teams that they went up against. You can look at guys not only like Desmond Evans, but Miles Murphy, Travis Conley, um, even Josh Downs. I mean, a lot of these guys on this list. Well, even to a guy that we'll mention later, in Jacoby Criswell, a lot of these guys mm-hmm. would not even be looking at Carolina if not for Matt Brown and the staff that he's put in place. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, you can you can go and compare. Even if you just want to go and compare where we're recruiting right now to where we were recruiting. This time last year, before, well, before the hiring of Mac Brown, I should say, not so right, necessarily, right. but before the hiring of Mac Brown last year, look at where we were recruiting. The year before, look at where you're we recruiting, and look at this year. It's really, really hard to be that upset. I mean, if, if you know, you you'll see a lot of these guys that you hope that we were going to get. You'll see the Trent Simpsons and various guys along those lines, and mm-hmm. you know, people will bring up those past recruiting misses if they will, but. These things take time. Even that example of Clemson that we've used, that took time to build. Right. That took time to get those guys in there. Yes, they got the occasional five-star Lex Extra lines, but a lot of time they were built on four-star and three-star prospects, a lot of what Carolina is getting now. So to Carolina fans, I'd say this, you know, this takes time it's going to take time for Mac to build it. It's going to take time for the staff to build it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take time to, for these kids to come in and, you know, be recruited and be developed by the program. But they're already geared. They're already entering the program. It's not, you know... This is a completely different program from what we saw last year, and I think it's you know really moving forward in a very positive direction.
1: Oh, exactly. I, I think that's that's a great point. And you know if you, if you want to go you know and just compare the back and forth between Carolina and Clemson on the recruiting trail, uh, look. I mean, Carolina's won 11 games in the last three seasons. This year they won six, which is a step in the right direction. Clemson is at the point now where 11 wins in a season is disappointment. They want they they believe with the playoff they should be winning 13-14 games a year at the least most likely 15 they're looking to do that again this year so yeah I, I mean that's that's the difference on the recruiting trail it makes a little bit of sense why Clemson beat out Carolina for Trenton Simpson but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap that up uh, move on to a little more positive news uh, this one I think is something that Tar Heel fans can be really happy about heading into National Signing Day and that is yet. Jacoby Criswell is locked down in the 2020 class the Tar Heels have their quarterback Back in this class. Uh, he took an official visit to Chapel Hill over the weekend and everything seemed to go about as good as it possibly could. And towards the end of the visit, of course, you guys saw on Sunday morning, he tweeted that uh, the, that Carolina love was just a little bit different. And then later on in the day, he told both Inside Carolina and Toriel Illustrated, Illustrated, uh, the two uh, sources that are as close as it gets to the team, uh, that he is all in and is planning to sign early. Uh, and then today, he He also released the fact that he will early enroll. So uh, the Tar Heels for the second straight year will bring in a four-star quarterback that was part of the Elite 11. It'll be the third straight year that they bring in a four-star quarterback. And now all three quarterbacks in the rotation that is scheduled to uh, be in place next year outside of course uh, of the walk-ons will all be former four-star quarterbacks. So uh, this is a, a huge deal. There was a lot of concern about Arkansas coming in, but Carolina did a really good job of locking this down, and this is one where although he's received a lot of criticism on the field this year, you got to give Phil Longo a lot of credit here because he built on a relationship that he started when he was back at Ole Miss. Absolutely. I mean, I feel this is sort of what we just discussed in the last uh, podcast. This is one of
0: Carolina's biggest recruits in this class, and one that I really like his play style. Um, you look at his stats, he's pretty balanced in terms of passing and running, uh, really has the ability to, go, to do both, which I think is the ideal fit for what Phil Longo wants to do in, with his offense. He wants to be able to run the quarterback as well as pass the ball. Um, I think another aspect, and you know, some of that will depend on how Chase Reuter uh, recovers going into this season, but the staff wants to have a backup quarterback so that they can run Sam Howell. they they can use that part of the offense. This past Mm -hmm. season with Jace injured, that wasn't really an option that they would have. So not only will having Jacoby in here help the team all for all by his own play, but just his presence as a backup option, as a a safe scholarship quarterback option will allow the offense to do more. Um, What I really think that, however... What this shows, um, and we talk about it a lot in uh,
1: the basketball aspect of it, but right. an official visit at Carolina is one of the
0: one of the biggest things, I think, in a, a kid's recruitment when he is um, considering Carolina, coming into town, coming into Chapel Hill, seeing the facilities, talking to the staff, seeing what a special community Chapel Hill is, I think is the biggest impact. I mean, this time last week, we were looking, you know, is he looking around? Is he looking at Auburn? Is he looking at Arkansas? Could he potentially, um, you know, not sign early? Could he sign in February instead and, you know, sort of look around? Is he going to early enroll? And he went into this weekend, went into the official visit, and locked both of those things up. He's now an early signee and early, early, just based off that official visit. So I think that shows not only what Chapel Hill as a town and Carolina as a university can sell, but really um, the focus that we've seen from this staff of being relationship-based and being one that picks out kids that they really want and showing them, You know, you are the guy for us. You are the guy that we want to lead this team and to lead this university. And I think that resonated with uh, Jacoby and his family this past weekend.
1: Yeah, this was a huge step in the right direction, I think, for Carolina because in past years, we've seen guys now, they haven't always come on this last week before the early signing period or, you know, before the previous uh, normal signing period when they didn't have the early signing period. But, Most of the time when these guys would come on campus, they would leave without having locked it down. They would say that they liked what they saw, but they were still thinking some things over. This is a big step for Carolina to get this young man on campus and to get him to say, while there and while still having one more day left pretty much he was he was locked up and and signed in this class he was gonna sign his letter of intent and not only sign his letter of intent but enroll early and you're right because there had been some some pretty um, significant rumblings that he might push back to February and you know that was huge because he was a guy from the start that not only was wanting to early or was not only wanting to sign early was wanting to enroll early so he could get in and try to make an impact so for carolina to get it locked down was huge the biggest thing i think for carolina with the official visit is the timing they nailed it by getting him in on the last week and i i know that people will probably go back and look at it and we're going to talk about him here in just a second but you look at the difference that that made and you wonder if maybe carolina should have pushed a little bit harder for Clyde Pinder to take his official visit on the final week than to take it the week before. Because I feel like just having those guys on campus with guys that, you know, especially for for Criswell and Pinder, guys that they knew for a long time because this was the big weekend where you had just about every single Guy that's going to sign early. everybody that's pretty much committed to this class already was on campus this weekend for their official visit. So you you feel like that would have been a huge opportunity if you could have got both of those guys on there. I think Pinder, you know, knew you know what he was doing, and I mean, look, it it's his recruitment. You can't blame him, but for Criswell it felt huge that they got him on campus to basically have the last crack at him and show them that okay this is what we're giving you we we've shown you everything are you committed to us or are you still going to look elsewhere and criswell said look you got everything that that i need arkansas you know has been pushing as of late but while I, I would like to play for the hometown Razorbacks, they just they, they didn't establish that type of relationship with me early. Uh, Phil Longo established that relationship when he was back at Ole Miss, and that paid off big time for Carolina, and they now have a legitimate backup quarterback here. I mean, look, Jace Reuter is as well. Um, the interesting thing is, is look, I, I think we know that Sam Howell's going to be the starter going forward, barring something just un, unforeseen injury-wise or you know something else that happens happens off the field the question is is out of these two guys I mean really I'll just ask it this way do you think that Jacoby Criswell has a chance to come in and win this backup job from Jace Ruder this year think there's
0: definitely a possibility and that's no disrespect to jace reuter at all i think jace reuter right. especially earlier in the year uh going into that quarterback competition showed that he's you know definitely a capable uh quarterback in this offense and mm-hmm. uh, for this team um, i really think two things i think that uh with the injury that he had this past year it's probably going to take some time to get him back onto the field and get him back practicing in a full capacity. And it it's also just speaks to how much I really like what I've seen from Criswell. I think that he offers a lot that's pretty similar to the two guys we have now. He's got a really stocky body. Uh, he's got a really good throwing motion, puts good distance on the ball, and good touch. And I think the biggest component that he adds right now is that he's probably the most physical and athletic runner of the bunch. Uh, He really has a different component there of just being able to absorb hits. Obviously not Built the same way as a Cam Newton, but kind of runs in a similar fashion. I would say of just he's going to put his body out there. He's going to throw a shoulder down and, and get those extra yards. So I think he has a different component there. Um, so I'm, I, you know, I'm not holding anything out in terms of is he going to get the, you know, is he going to get the backup job or is he going to be third string? I, I think that I'll, you know, I'll let um, the staff determine that. But I think he's definitely got a chance. Um, so that's definitely something that we'll, you know, that we can discuss
1: and watch going into spring practice, spring camp, and then going into the 2020 season. Well, if you want to know how good of a fit he is for this offense, Gabe Brooks of 24/7 Sports. His comparison for him, which they do for some of the high-end guys, Sam Howell. So I mean, that that's pretty much that should tell you everything you need to know right there. This guy is a perfect fit for the type of offense that Phil Longo wants to run. Because look at what Sam Howell did this year. And one of the things that I think is interesting when when you kind of discuss whether or not he'll come in and have a chance, you know, to maybe win that backup job. This was a guy that went into the Elite Eleven camp back in, I believe it was in early July, maybe it may have been late June when it started, but early July and was not a guy that was expected to be one of the Elite 11 at the end of the day and was a guy that consistently every day kept climbing up the board And up the board. So this is this is not a guy that is afraid of competition. He's going to come in, and I believe he he has a chance to make some noise, especially with the fact that he's early enrolling. So yeah, this is a a big time keep in this class for the Tar Heels because there were legitimate concerns about Arkansas and it's a great job by the staff to make sure that they wiped out those concerns and got him to sign in the early signing period and enroll early, and they did it all before they even got to early signing Wednesday. Uh, Now, one guy that they didn't do that with is Clyde Pinder. Uh, Unfortunately, as I mentioned, he was on campus last week, uh, the 6th through the 8th, and then this past weekend took his official visit to Florida, which he scheduled midweek. It's been it's been really quiet over the last couple of days on his front. Haven't seen a whole lot from him, uh, which is, I, I don't know how to take that. I don't know if that's concerning or, you know, I mean, it's, I guess it's good that he wasn't posting a whole bunch of things about how great Florida was, wasn't posting a whole bunch of pictures. But at the same time, we haven't really heard him say, "Okay, you know, I've taken that visit. Still, Carolina is where I'm committed." So there is a lot of uncertainty uh, going into what he's going to do. We still don't have any sort of release as to whether or not uh, he is going to have a signing day um, ceremony at his high school in. Armwood High School in Sefner, Florida. Uh, that's one thing to keep an eye on over the next couple of days. And uh, we, we mentioned it. I mean, if th- this is one of those guys that you would feel it, like is one of the most important players in this class. Uh, maybe even the most important player here as we come down the stretch, because he's the only true nose tackle that is committed in this class for the Tar Heels And right now. This team is thin at the nose tackle position with the two guys that have departed in the offseason. So uh, I I know, you know, this time last week when we did the podcast, there was a little more confidence. What is your level of confidence as we sit here today, just two days before the open to the early signing period and the likely day uh, that he would sign if he's going to sign early?
0: Yeah so based on everything i've seen and i've looked at carolina sources i've looked at uh you know florida sources yesterday and today to see sort of where his level of interest is at at this point in the process i would say if i were to rate my confidence on a scale from one to ten i think i'm sitting at about an eight so i'm feeling pretty good about this one Um, carolina still feels good about him um based on everything that he talked about with um twenty four seven sports is Florida site was basically, you know, Florida has given me something to think about. They are something that um, he does have family connections there. He does have family that are fans and would be would have vested interest in him staying there. But he did, you know, state pretty specifically that they are fine with him leaving the state if he wants to do so. Um, basically stated, you know, he is still committed to Carolina, but we'll have a lot to think about. So Obviously, today, tomorrow, and then leading up to Wednesday, he'll have a lot to think about uh, in terms of if he wants to stick with his commitment or potentially flip to the Florida Gators. And it does look like that his plan is still to sign his letter of intent uh, coming up this Wednesday in the early signing period. So based on everything I've seen, I still feel pretty good about keeping him, obviously – amongst the Carolina commits he's the one with the biggest concern mm-hmm. um so definitely things could change over the next few days um so it's definitely something to watch but as of right now I'm feeling pretty good about as good as you can feel after having a guy uh go on an official visit the week before early signing day um I'm really interested to hear your take on it where do you think he's leaning at this time
1: you know i've i've seen a, a lot a lot of the same stuff that you have and you know i would say the confidence level is kind of at a 6 the reason i'm going to say that is because when asked today at his press conference mac brown said that he expects 25 total guys to sign so unless there's another guy that we just don't know about and there were a couple of guys that academically they were a little unsure about. Guys like Jaden Chalmers and Dez Evans. It seems like from everything that we're hearing, those guys are all going to sign. Jaden Chalmers confirmed he's going to sign on. Uh, he's going to sign at like four o'clock um, on Wednesday. So he's he's one of the guys that's in. I'm assuming that Des Evans is going to sign as well. Haven't really seen anything from him, but that's nothing new with Dez Evans. His recruitment is is, is really kind of low key. That's how he's been throughout the process, and nothing. I mean, that's there's nothing against him. That's the way he likes it to be. And uh, honestly, we've we've seen a lot lot of those over the last few seasons, but I fully expect that he's going to sign there. Uh, And there's really not anybody else that we're really keying in on that might not sign. There was some concern that Jefferson Boaz might not sign because there was a tweet that was sent out earlier that Stephen Gosnell, uh, Landon Stevens, uh, Gosnell, of course, who is committed uh, as a uh, scholarship guy and will sign his letter of intent on Wednesday, as well as Landon Stevens, who's a preferred walk-on. He'll sign his uh, his preferred walk-on letter of intent. And then you'll also have Dylan Mosley, who's another wide receiver for East Surrey High School, who's going to sign his letter of intent to state. There was some concern because Jefferson Boaz wasn't on that list. Jefferson Boaz is going to sign because they are going to have some sort of signing day sort of event that they're going to do for the guys that are down at the Shrine Bowl because, uh, of course, there's a bunch of guys down there right now. Practices started today. So there is going to be a ceremony for those guys. Don't worry. Don't freak out. Boaz is not going to be a guy that's going to delay his, um, his commitment at all. Uh, and there was, I mean, there was some legitimate concern uh, from, from some people earlier today that that could happen just because of, you know, the ridiculous statistics that he had put up. Uh, There's nothing really behind that, no concrete evidence, nothing from any of the people that are a little bit closer to Carolina than we are that that's going to happen. So uh, it seems like from just kind of narrowing down everything else, I would think that the guy that has to be left off that list is Pinder. And now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to sign early. It just means that the staff has not had it confirmed just yet. So, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a wait and see. I mean, it's interesting because usually by this time, you're going to have an announcement of some sort of ceremony or something that they're gonna do at the school and you know a guy like Clyde Pinder who's a three-star guy that's going to the all-American Bowl in early January he would be a headliner Armwood High School would make sure to put out there that Clyde Pinder is going to be signing on Wednesday at said time make sure you come out and support him so I find that I find that interesting and I think that they are there might be some thought in his mind, and maybe from his families, from from his family as well, of why don't you wait until February and kind of do a little more homework on both schools and then go from there. I do feel like you know Carolina, from from what we heard during his official visit, did a really good job. I don't feel like it was one of those visits where it really didn't go all that well, and that's the reason that he took the visit to Florida. I think he took the visit to Florida because he did want to kind of investigate a little bit more, mainly because Florida got into the race so late for him. Remember, they didn't offer him until November 21st, so I feel like maybe he wanted to do a little more homework. Uh, I mean, at this point, look, Florida is another one of those teams that is just on the rise when it comes to recruiting. They are flipping, they they flipped a couple of guys here over the last few days, and they're really starting to add to their class late. Dan Mullen is a fantastic recruiter, so it it makes a little bit of sense why a guy that's from the state of Florida has family that has rooted for that university for a while, and, you know, it's, it's a closer school, vicinity wise so his family will have the ability to travel and see him it makes a little sense why he would want to go and at least take an official visit and see if maybe that is the right fit for him but um i if i had to lean in a direction right now i would say just because of how late florida entered i would say carolina holds on to him but i think as we go towards national signing day these other two guys that we just talked about earlier they're wrapped up and done One's going to Clemson, one's staying committed to Carolina. This one, this is going to be the, the the guy that everybody needs to focus on. This is going to be the big storyline heading into signing day. And, uh, you know, look, we were hoping that maybe we would go in with a pretty quiet Signing day, maybe you know, just uh, worrying if Trenton Simpson would receive a last-minute offer from Clemson. That's not the case. You got a guy that is is a key member of your class here, and uh, you're going to go in a little uncertain as to whether or not they hold on to him. Um, you know, I I think. Uh, Just just looking at this class, I mean, as I mentioned, 25 guys expected to sign, uh, 12 will enroll early. Of course, that's based on the number of seniors that are graduating. Uh, Transfers do not affect that number. So uh, we've seen a couple of guys enter the transfer portal here, uh, Brant Lawless, Cheryl, Roscoe Johnson, but that doesn't affect that number. It's only the seniors that left, so only 12 guys will be able to early enroll. Uh, As of right now, of course, Criswell confirmed it earlier today. Josh Downs confirmed it a couple of weeks ago, and then Cameron Roseman Sinclair confirmed it to me in person uh, when I talked to him at the final game of his season uh, at the playoff game between Myers Park and Richmond, but uh, those are the only three that have pretty much publicly released that they're going to be early enrollees. Everybody else is kind of remaining a little bit quiet. There are some names that have been floated out there. um, Kind of like a, a I mean, I think there's about a list of 13 or 14 guys and they'll have to figure out, you know, which ones they're going to allow to enroll early. There'll be some guys that are no-brainers uh, some of the higher rated guys that that will go early one of the guys that uh, won't sign actually two of the top guys uh, that won't sign uh, or won't enroll early excuse me are uh, des Evans and miles Murphy those two guys will not be enrolling early um, but just about everybody else uh, has a chance at least to enroll early so of course we'll uh, we'll let you know uh, with with for, uh, with everything uh, when it comes to the early enrollees uh, I think we'll find that out probably might actually find that out later on in the night on Wednesday when they do the National Signing Day wrap-up where uh, they'll have all the Carolina fans come in and um, be able to participate. All the season ticket holders come in and participate in the banquet. So uh, I think that might be when we'll find out who the 12 guys are that will early enroll. So uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here and uh, turn the attention towards uh, National Signing Day on Wednesday? no i think that's just about
0: everything i mean at this point we're going into the home stretch um sort of like you mentioned looking to see the guys that were early in the role. um sort of to wrap up what you mentioned i i would expect you know in terms of what i would predict at this time going into wednesday i do think that all of the commits, all 26 will sign mm-hmm. i do think all 26 will sign with north carolina at this time of course As Mac mentioned, he did say the number 25. I don't know if that was – if he misspoke or anything along those lines. If there's someone that's looking elsewhere, if it could be the situation that you mentioned with Clyde Pender uh, of
1: Clyde potentially wanting to wait until February or anyone else, anything that we don't know about uh, or any situation. um, If I had
0: to guess – I haven't seen anything, you know, outside of that with, that would lead me to believe that any prospect is not going to sign. So that's going to be, you know, my position as of right now. I think it will be a relatively um, quiet signing day in that regard. I think that we'll go ahead and finish up, you know, everyone we're looking at in the 2020 class. Um, just as a quick note, I don't see a lot of, you know, remaining targets uh, going into the traditional February national signing day. But you never know. Uh, you never know in this day and age. And generally, there's at least one or two that will pop up. So that's definitely something to, you know, continue to keep a lookout for. It's definitely something that I think could be a factor. Um, I don't know for certain. I don't know any numbers or anything like that. But right. there's always something in recruiting to look for. So I would just say, you know, let's get excited for Wednesday. Let's look forward to, you know, January and February, see if we can get, you know, maybe there's a few more 2020 spots maybe there's 2021 guys that jump on board so you know that's that's really sort of next on the slate going forward
1: Right I think uh, 2021 class will, will definitely become a, a big time focus and we'll probably talk a little bit about that uh, you know once we get past National Signing Day wrap up and, and everything like that uh, in the 2020 class you know I'll be interested to see you know whether it, if they land Clyde Pinder or not if they maybe look for another nose tackle um, with the on. Un- Expected transfer of Brant Lawless, Cheryl. Uh, maybe they want to add a little more depth there. Uh, some people I know were voicing some concerns about the offensive line. I- I'm not really behind that. I think they're they've got some really good depth on the offensive line, especially at offensive guard. Um, but you never really know. Yeah, there'll probably be about one or two guys that'll pop up there. Um, you know, could could look you know to improve a kicker maybe. I mean, it, it's it's not going to be ma- It's not going to be many. There aren't going to be a lot of guys. that that are going to receive offers, but of course uh, we'll keep you guys covered on everything uh, in terms of that. But uh, look, now here we are. Uh, we are th- this podcast will be released sometime on Tuesday morning. And uh, yeah, it will, we'll have you covered Wednesday morning with everything uh, from the minute that it starts. The earliest guy that I've seen so far is Trey Zimmerman is going to have a ceremony at Roswell High School uh, in Roswell, Georgia. Him as well as his teammate John Copenhaver, they should sign both there. So uh, those are the first ones that we think will come in as of right now. There'll probably be a couple other guys that'll come in a little bit earlier and just have not announced uh, when they'll be signing or maybe they're waiting. They're not going to have ceremonies until later in the day, but they will send in their letter of intent early. Uh, I believe that the fax machines turn on at 7 o'clock, which, by the way, <laughs> the fact that they actually still use fax machines to this day when it comes to letters of intent just blows my mind, especially, I forget which prospect it was a few years ago, one of the very highly rated prospects. And I want to say it was about, it was somewhere either the 2016 or 17 class had an issue with sending in his letter of intent. Um, you know, they thought it was going to come in late. Everybody was absolutely freaking out. I can't believe they still use it, but yes, that is actually how they still do it to this day. So yes, the facts uh, machine will turn on at seven o'clock, and we'll be ready to go to have you covered with our live signing day thread. That'll be on the website heeltoughblog.com, of course. All day on my account, uh, the Heel Tough Blog account, uh, as well as the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page. Uh, We'll be putting out links for you guys to make sure you check out everything so you don't miss uh, a minute of any of the stuff that's going on. Uh, We'll give you live updates throughout the day on all of the guys that are going to sign. And of course, we'll try to give you as much information as we can about Clyde Pinder on that day as to whether or not he's going to sign or if he's going to push his decision back until February. And then after that, after it's all over, of course, we'll have the signing day recap article where we'll go back, look at every single guy that is uh, in the class or has signed with the early class. And uh, we'll also kind of give you a look at maybe uh, some of the other areas that the Tar Heels could look to add some guys if they throw out a few more offers in the 2020 class. But it'll be a real in-depth article, so make sure you guys check that out. And then me and Zach will be back to break down the class uh, for you here on the podcast. We'll tell you about all the guys that signed and we'll also do uh, you know a couple of, uh, I'm not going to say awards, but we'll pick our guys that maybe you know we think are a little underrated, maybe guys that we think could come in and have the uh, an, an early impact that maybe some of the people aren't expecting. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about all that kind of stuff with you guys. Uh, it'll be a little more expansive than just focusing on certain recruits. It'll talk about all the guys that are in the class, even the ones that have been there for the longest time like Elijah Burris, who was the first guy that committed to the class uh, back last year. We'll talk about guys like Cameron Roseman Sinclair, who committed back all the way in January, uh, was the first guy to commit to Dre Bly. So yeah, we'll we'll go back through the whole class and make sure that you guys know everything you need to know uh, before we start to turn uh, fully on the website and on the podcast to the game against Temple uh, when we take on uh, the Owls in Annapolis. We'll have you covered on everything with that. Again, it's HeelToughBlog.com for all that stuff. Also, uh, as I mentioned, those uh, those accounts on Twitter at HeelToughBlog. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at tutorial uh, I put a ton of my, all that stuff up there as well. You can follow Zach on Twitter at uh, hackzubber 2 And, uh, of course, Josh Marlowe, who is uh, the co-host for the regular season when we do the uh, game previews and everything like that, he's at Marlow 5 on Twitter. Uh, You can go to Facebook, Heel Tough Blog Facebook page. That's where you can find everything you need to know. Uh, As for the Heel Tough Blog podcast, it's on all of your major podcast websites. You can find it iTunes, Google Podcasts iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of those ones. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We would really appreciate that. Uh, we're just you know, trying to get a little bit of feedback on the podcast. Uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed it. I know there's a lot of you guys that have stuck with us for a while, and we're glad that you're enjoying the podcast. So want to thank G- uh, Zach for co-hosting with me tonight. He'll be back uh, later in the week to do the signing day recap. want to thank you guys for listening, and as always... Go Tar Heels!